there is a there is much. It's not coming to the speakers yet. I'll wait. He's almost there. There is much I wish to say this morning. Ah, there it is. I've been to India back in the last few weeks. I experienced much there, and I want to share with you many of the things I saw. The Lord was kind. It was a hard trip. It's a lot of hard things, but today's not the day to share those things. I haven't seen some of you in two weeks because I've been gone. And things have happened in your lives since I've been gone. I want to talk about those things too, but today's not the day for that. Today's Resurrection Sunday. On this day, many people will go with their family or their, their mom or their dad or their kid will go to church. Even if it's not a normal part of their life, they'll do this on Easter Sunday. I'll go with you, Ma, but, uh, you know, it's like that thing. It's a thing. And I always, always want to make sure on Easter to say as, with all the strength I have in me what we believe and why. Why that I travel 37 hours on a plane. I'm a big dude, man. And planes have little seats. 37 hours. The main jump from Chicago to Delhi is a 16-hour jump. 16 hours on a single plane. It's awful. Why not just stay here in my own bed? My wife and kids. Why not? Why do something like that? Why do we have volunteers come every week and watch babies and hold babies and teach kids? Why do people get up on Sunday mornings? You have two days off a week. We work hard all week, sleep in Saturday, and man, instead of sleeping in Sunday, you go to church? Why would anyone give up that freedom? Why? It's because of what happened on Resurrection Sunday is why we sacrifice, why we give, why we serve. Why we get on planes and go around the world. It's why we do what we do. In John 20, it's resurrection morning. There, is, there are very few people in the world who will deny that a man named Jesus Christ was crucified in Rome. No one argues that point. The Romans have records of that execution. We have extra biblical writings about Jesus being killed by the Romans. He was seen by the Romans as a Jewish agitator. And he died between, he died with two other crooks that day. We have that stuff. No one argues that a guy named Jesus was crucified. That's, everyone agrees on this fact, this historical moment. A few days have passed. It's Sunday morning. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene is one of the followers of Jesus. When Christ was crucified, his disciples scattered to the wind. When the police came, when someone turned, when the heat 
got too hot. His crew ran. But a bunch of ladies stayed. And they were there at the end. They're at the foot of his cross and they watched him die. His mother watched him die. And this lady, Mary Magdalene, this woman who was a social outcast, she watched Jesus die. Days have passed. The disciples are depressed because they, they went all in. They put all their chips with Jesus and he died. He died a public, humiliating death. They're like, man, we backed the wrong horse, yo. They went back home embarrassed. I can imagine Peter. We know Peter was married, coming home to his wife. Ah, they killed him, babe. I, I was wrong. Like, I mean, what do you say? I, I sold everything. I quit my job to follow this guy, and uh, he's dead. Um, I, I was wrong. Mary goes to the tomb, and she doesn't go there this morning seeking some miracle. We, we know that she's going there because she loves Jesus. She's bringing some anointing oil to anoint his dead body so he doesn't smell too bad as he decomposes. That's why she's going to the tomb. She's going there to anoint his dead body as an act of affection. And the reason Mary Magdalene loved Christ so much because Christ treated her like a human being. This is a woman, a social outcast, a woman judged by her society, and Christ treated her with respect and dignity and tried to take nothing from her. She was treated with that much respect that she's like, I don't know who treats people like this. Who loves wanting nothing in return? I was in India, and I met, I was talking to one of my pastors in our village. He told me a story about a young lady in the village, in our village we live in. And this lady is a very beautiful young girl. She grows up, she's 15 years old, and her beauty is renowned among the villages. Her beauty is so great, people from the cities come to the village to take her out on dates. She's 15 years old, and grown men come to take her out on dates, and her parents allow it because the, the suitors bring gifts. And when you're poor, and you have nothing, food is... Needed, right? Money is needed. Oh, you bought us a financial gift? Thank you so much. Have fun on your date. So she would go out on dates with all these different men from all these different cities in, in these towns. And her reputation in the village became very bad. People looked at her as a woman who went out with many men. And so she was talked about and gossiped about. And people talked bad about her. Neighbors did not speak to her because they judged her so harshly. And I talked to this pastor in our village, and he said, I, I've been, I see her, I hear her talked about, and my heart breaks for this young girl. So one day, I saw her at the, 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 the well where you get the water. I just talked to her. I said, how are you today? How, how are your studies going? Just talked to her, asked her some questions. And in the middle of the conversation, she began to cry. And he's like, what's the matter? He was like, what did I do? And she said to him, no one ever asked me how I'm doing. No one ever just talks to me without wanting my body in return. She was not used to being treated as a human being, and it was so overwhelming for her. She cried right there by the well. And he asked her, why don't you come to church? I passed her down the other side of the village. Come to church, and you'll meet people there who will love you and not judge you. 
not try to take anything from you. She said, I cannot come to your church. I said, why? She said, I've heard about your God. Your God is holy, and I am not, and I can't walk in that building. That poor girl had half the gospel right. She knew half the story. She probably knew God better than a lot of us do. She doesn't know much. She knows that God, the God of the Bible is a holy God, and he is not cool with sin, and he's not. It's not funny. It's not okay. That's, she has the first part right. Christ comes, and he is holy. But this holy man, <laughs> sinners loved him. including Mary Magdalene. She felt not afraid in his presence. She felt not judged or condemned or hated. And when he died, she had come to see his body to anoint him for burial. When she arrives, this is what happens. She arrives and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She's not looking for a miracle. She's come to do a simple act of love, and something is wrong. Uh, see, the, the Romans had put a stone over the, the, the grave of Jesus because they were afraid someone might try to steal his body. She gets there, and it looks like someone did that. The, the, the stone is gone, and he is gone, and she freaks out. And it says, so she ran and went to Simon Peter. And the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, in case you want to know. Um, she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Someone took Jesus, and we don't know where he is. Today, for a few minutes, we're going to ask a very simple question. Where is Jesus? Mary came to Peter. I don't know where he is. I went to find him in his tomb, and he's not there. I don't know where he is, and I'm scared. I'm troubled. What do we do now? The first thing I want to say about this is this. Where is Jesus? I think for many of us, we don't know where he's at. I mean us in America. Maybe some of us sitting in this church building right now, a lot of people have no idea where to find Jesus. We've heard where he hangs out. I heard he hangs out in church. Maybe I'll go there and I'll like bump into him. I'll run into him. That'd be awesome. I was in India and I get in this plane. And uh, we're in like a small little town in India. We got to fly to the big city to fly to America. I'm getting on. I'm kind of bummed. I'm like, man, I'm the biggest guy in this plane. This stinking, stinking huge. Everyone's small. This is awful. I go sit in the plane. I'm like, hey, guy, I'm next to him. Sorry, my shoulders are huge. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm there feeling just like a giant among men. And all of a sudden, a mountain of a human being walks on the plane. The guy's like seven five. This guy is gigantic. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not the biggest guy on this plane anymore. But I know this guy. I'm looking at this guy. It was a WWE wrestler named the Great Kali. He's, he, he's from India, and he's on, he's on my plane. And I'm like, that's the Great Kali. I saw him in a movie once. Um, 
And he gets on, and he, he, he had a whole role for himself. because he's so, he, he, It's hard to tell you how just epically big this man is. He sits in the middle row of, a, of an aisle. His head towers above the headrest. He actually did a selfie, and I'm in it. So if you go to his Instagram page, he's on a plane, and you see I'm in a mask like going behind him. So I went to India, and I met the great Kali. It was kind of awesome. A lot of us have no idea where to find Jesus. I have some of my friends who are more progressive, you could say, and they think Jesus is in the past. I have some friends of mine who think that Jesus was a teacher, a wise man who died a long time ago, and Jesus, his value is he's meant to be an inspiration for us. His life, his kindness, his goodness is meant to inspire us to be kind and good just like he was. So Jesus is like, he's like Alexander the Great. He's like Martin Luther King Jr. He's someone who lived and died, and if we feel the need, we can go back, read their stuff, and be inspired by their wisdom. Jesus, some people, Jesus is in the past. He's someone I can learn from, if I cho- so choose, he's back there. Some of my conservative friends, Jesus is in the future. Some of my friends think, man, when I die, I will meet Jesus. Someday in the sweet by and by, right? those are the songs we sing, when we all get to heaven, I'll fly away. It's a good one, actually. When I die, I'll meet him then and there. But right now, in my life, not a big deal. It's like having a AAA card. I got a AAA card, right? AAA auto insurance, auto stuff. If I get a flat tire and call AAA and they come out and fix my tire, it's pretty awesome. It costs me $0, right? $0? I think that's right. You pay $100 a year. You get two flats and an unlocked car, unlocked door. I have that in my wallet. I usually never use it. It's in my wallet to play card. It's there just in case I run over a nail. It's there just in case I lock the cars in the lock my keys in the car. I've done it before. It's been a few years, but I've done it before. To play card, I don't look at it. I don't think about it. It doesn't affect my life. It's just in my wallet, just in case I need it on a bad day. And for many of us. Jesus is a AAA insurance card. I don't think about him. I don't talk to him. I don't deal with him. But man, if things blow up, oh, that Jesus card, I'll be okay. If I die of cancer, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Now, for some, Jesus is in the past. For some, he's in the future. Both of these people, the problem is Jesus is far away from them. If he's in the past or if he's in the future, He does not have any real influence on my everyday existence. I'm living my life, doing my thing, and most of us don't give a rip who he is, what he says, or what he wants. Either he's an inspiration, or he's a get-out-of-jail-free card. But neither of those things are necessary for my actual daily life. So where's Jesus? Is he in the past? Is he in the future? Where do I find him? How do I find him? 
And all of us kind of assume he's kind of important. And he is important. Like all of history is divided by this guy's birthday. B.C. or A.D. Before Christ or Anno Domini, after his death. Literally, our history is it's changed. It's defined by the birth of this guy named Jesus Christ. This guy, Jesus, is so influential, every single culture in the world has been affected by him. Every culture. I was in India watching the news, and it was a Hindu um, news person on the news, and they said, this is India, we are a Hindu nation, Christianity is the white man's religion. That's what they said on the TV. I was like, dang. It's the white man's religion. It's from America. It's not Indian. I preached that night to a bunch of Indian people. I quoted that newscaster. Everyone knew who it was. I'm like, so-and-so in the news. I'm like, oh, shoot, Pastor, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're quoting Fox News India style. What's going to happen next? So I quote the newscaster person. I said, this guy said that Jesus belongs to America. I said, that's a lie. I said, Jesus was not a white man. I was like, oh. I'm like, he's Jewish, Middle Eastern. He's got awesomely black hair, brown eyes. He looks more like me than, you know, those Italian paintings you see in the museum. He's got a black hair beard. That's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. Jesus is a Middle Eastern man. Not only is he a Middle Eastern man, but Americans did not bring the gospel to India. We didn't. When Christ died, Christ disciple Thomas left Jerusalem, took a boat all the way to Kerala, India, and started a church. In, within 30 years of Christ's death, the gospel was already in India. I told the Indian people, I said, listen, Christ was here in India before America was even found as a nation. Jesus Christ somehow has been a part of almost every single continent story. This guy's teaching, his life has influenced much of the world. We all know he's important. Christ matters, so how do I find him? Where do I find him? Mary comes to Peter and says, I don't know where he is. Verse 3, so Peter went out with the other disciple. They were going toward the tomb, and both of them were running together. I love that. They're told that their, their master, his grave's been disturbed. They're not like, man, let me finish breakfast. I'll go over there later on. When I get, I'll, I'll, next Tuesday, I'll make a trip out there and see what's going on at the tomb. These guys get off their butts, and they take off running to the tomb of Jesus because they want to know what is going on with Jesus. What has happened? Where is he? And a lot of us... We may, in some part of our hearts, wonder about Christ, but many of us make no effort to answer the question. We make no effort to seek him, to search for him, to look for him. We're content to not know. And the reason we're content to not know is this. The reason we're so happy being so lost and blind there's two books I read growing up. 
One's called 1984, and one is called Brave New World. You ever heard of these books? These two books describe society ruled by government. In 1984, people are controlled through pain and suffering. It's a very tragic, bleak, awful book. In Brave New World, humanity is controlled through pleasure. The government gives people drugs and alcohol and vice, and it keeps people in line. Throughout history, throughout the last 50 years of American history, people argue which one is more true. In our present-day America, we are not controlled through suffering. We are controlled through pleasure. Every commercial... I was, I was at the mall yesterday. And going to the mall, they're just, every single glass display is like, you need this. You're incomplete unless you buy these shoes or this hat or this cool new board game. I'm not, I'm not, I'm susceptible to this as well. <laughs> they find the right button. There's a new Link video game. Oh no, oh, it's pulling me in. If I don't have this, I won't feel happy. This is how the world runs. The world runs through pleasure. We are controlled because society, whatever, whenever we feel bad, I'll eat some more sugar. I'll drink some more alcohol. I'll smoke some more weed. Whatever. I, there, this world gives us all these things to keep our minds from ever asking the important questions. We are infinitely distracted. The TV's on, the radio's on. We, can't, we have no idea how to be, live in silence or how to reflect upon the world. We're constantly being... We just never take time to think. Peter and John ran to the tomb. And the reason we don't run to Jesus, the reason we don't question, where are you, how do I find you? Because most of us fill our lives with so much empty pleasure, we never give our souls time to ache. Whenever we feel any kind of sadness, we do whatever we can to wash that sadness away. Even though it might be a true, real feeling that we need to let breathe. They run to the tomb. And they get there. And they find the burial clothes of Jesus lying on the ground. Simon goes in. John goes in. They see these clothes on the ground. They see the cloth that was on Christ's face. It has been folded in a pile and placed neatly on this bed. I, I love that. Like Christ must have got up and was like, I'll put this over here, I'll fold it nice. And they're there, Peter and John, and they're confused. It says this. The other disciple, verse 8, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. John is the first to start understanding what's happening. He's starting to smile, going, something happened here. Something good has happened. Jesus said a lot of things about defeating death, and he ain't here. Maybe it's happening. And he starts to believe. So where do we find Jesus? 
He's more than a historical figure. And he's more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. Christ, according to the scriptures, is alive. And this is the scandal of Christianity. The question is not... The question very simply is, did a man die and get back up? That's the question. If he did, it changes everything. If someone beat death, it should make every single one of us pause and take notice. If that happened in real life, it changes everything we know about the world. And Jesus Christ, the tomb is empty, and no one ever found this guy's body. He appeared to hundreds after the fact, and hit every 11 of his 12 disciples died horrific deaths. And every one of them was offered a chance not to die that horrific death. They were told, listen, if you just say he wasn't really alive, we'll let you off this thing. And every one of these guys, the doubters, the cowards, every one of them, I saw him alive, dude, and they died awful deaths. Every one of them. So many Christians died this first generation after Christ rose from the dead. So many Christians died. They were called witnesses. But the Greek word for witness is martyr. So the word for witness became the word we know of those who die for the faith. Because so many of those first-generation Christians died just saying, we saw him, we know he's real, we know he beat death, and we are not recanting. We're not going against what we know is true. Christ got up. And if Christ is alive, it means he's not just a historical figure, and it means he's not just waiting for us at the finish line. If Christ is actually alive here and now, I can know him in my everyday actual life. I, we can know him. I'll go back to India one last time. There is a law passed in India. It's a brand new law. It's called the come home law. If you are a Hindu who's become a Christian, okay, this new come home law says if any Christian convert comes back to Hinduism, they'll receive from the government one year of welfare and a stimulus check. Can you imagine that? If you leave Christianity, come back to Hinduism, you'll get a stimulus check, all oh, free money. And you'll get a certain amount of rice and vegetables every month for your family for free for a year. And the people I work with are very poor. Imagining, imagine being just poor. And I can't afford groceries. I can't, I, can't afford, I can't afford wheels. I can't afford to travel. All the government says, all you got to do is denounce Jesus. We got you some money. We got you some wheels. Whew, that's tempting, isn't it? So I went to the visit this pastor in the village, and, and he told me that this law is really big. He said that every person in his church got a call from the local government asking who wants to come home. So I asked him the question. I was scared. I said, how many of your people, how many people from this village went back to Hinduism? How many took the buyout? I was scared of the answer, right? Because I saw, you go to YouTube and watch some of these videos, 
If you take the Bible, you got to go to the local Hindu temple, you got to bow down, they take your Bible, they put the third eye back in your forehead, and you bow before the idol, and you're back in Hinduism. It's rowdy, dude. That Bible gets taken, and it's gone, and you are now giving your life back to whatever idol your village worships. I asked him, how many people in this village bowed the knee to Shiva or Ganesh? And he got the smile on his face, and he said, not a single one. Now, these people are poor in a way we can't imagine. Why wouldn't they sell out? Why wouldn't they take the check and the rice and the veggies and just go on home? I'll tell you why. Because even though they're poor, and even though their life is full of hardship, every day in the midst of that hardship, you know who holds their head up? You know who they call upon in the low times and who meets them in their tears? The risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not just out there waiting for us, and he's not just back there doing stuff. Jesus meets real people in our real lives. That is the truth of Christianity. We have a God who, our God, he is not dead. He is not silent. He hears and he answers. He hears and he acts on behalf of those he loves. This is why. This is why we sacrifice our Sunday mornings. It's why we give money. It's why we serve on Sundays. It's why we give up sleeping in on Sunday mornings because we know there is a God and he meets us where we live and we need him. We need him because we can't do this alone. Here's a free tip for you. The world is trying to shut our minds down by giving us more pleasure. But we all learn eventually, don't we? The pleasure doesn't work. Whenever we have a moment of clarity, we feel the emptiness of our lives. There has to be more than drunkenness, sexual escapades, the latest high. There has to be more than all this because that is not enough. We feel in our souls we were made for something more. I was made. We were made for communion with the Almighty. And the only way to touch the Almighty is through his son, Jesus Christ. On Easter morning, Mary asked the question, where is Jesus? She didn't know where to find him. She didn't know where to look. But Peter and John, they didn't know where to find him either. But they had the courage to run towards the answer. And I encourage you, if you're here and you don't know what to think about Jesus, if Jesus to you is a question mark, begin to seek him. At least ask the question, who is this guy? Why does he matter? What does he say? How do you find the answer? It says here, they did not yet understand the scripture. Go to the words of Christ. If you don't know where to look, We'll give you a Bible. We'll show you where to read. Let this guy speak to you. His words are full of life. They can change yours. Run to that answer. Seek the risen Lord through his words and through his presence. This is why we do what we do. For those of you who are here that love Jesus, I encourage you. May your love abound more and more. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Keep 
seeking the Lord. If you're here and you're far from the Lord, come back home. Come back home. Don't stay out in the desert no more. Come on back. Out in India again. There's one last one, I guess. In India, they have arranged marriages. You ever heard of this? Arranged marriages. Can you imagine? Arranged marriages. Your parents picked your spouse. How awesome did that sound? Woohoo! <laughs> I'd find a rich girl for my son. Hey, you're rich? I got a kid right here. Huh? So, arranged marriages. Well, in our, pa- our pastor's home in the village, one of the sons met a girl. And she was, oh, you're pretty. She's like, oh, you're pretty too. And they decided to, to be Americans and get married. So they ran away from home and got married. And everyone was angry. Her family's angry. His family's angry. And they're out hiding in the wilderness for a long time. Because everyone's mad at them because they broke all the traditions of the, of the villages. The time goes on and the anger goes away. And all the families start saying, we want to see our son, we want to see our daughter. Where are you? And they're out hiding. They miss their family. And they, they're alone. And they're super poor. They don't know what to do. And finally, they send one of the siblings out to find them and say, we just want you to come home. Yeah, you did wrong. Yeah, you, you, you hurt the whole family. But more important than that, we want you to come back. And that kid and his new wife came back. I got to see them have that homecoming, and it was, it was spectacular to see that which is lost be found again. If you're a Christian who's far away, come on back home. Come back to Jesus, man. And if you're here and you don't know what you believe, maybe you're like, Jesus, I don't know what I think about Jesus. Give him a chance. Read his word. Let him speak to you and see what happens next. If you want a Bible, I'll give you one today, straight up. So with that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning, for your word that is true. For those here who know you and are on the run, bring them home. For those here, O Lord, whose hearts are hard towards you, call their name. Lord, begin to draw them to yourself. For those here who know you and love you, hold us close. We need you, Lord, day by day. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for standing up after your death. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling our hearts. We ask these things in Christ's precious name.